journey, tedious journey. Alienated from this world, and I'ma be set apart and be Get your house in order, by Brother Tim Aaron. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order. For you shall die, you shall not recover. 2 Kings 22 verse 1, ESV. Brother Tim Aaron brings the word of God for the end time. You can find more information about Brother Tim Aaron at www.thiefinthenightministries.com. And here is Brother Tim Aaron. Glory to glory to glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for tuning in to another broadcast of Get Your House in Order. I'm your host, Tim Aaron. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you uh, have tuned in to some of my other shows and uh, you find my my teachings and my Bible study discussions informative and insightful, faith building, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hopefully I have been able to help your faith to grow on these uh, programs. Uh, hopefully you uh, have uh, shared uh, this broadcast with uh, some of your family and friends so that they can tune in. Uh, Cause it's all about, uh, believers uh, strengthening one another uh, iron sharpeneth iron as the bible puts it so and in this day and time we really need to do just that we need to keep each other sharp and on guard against the tricks and the wiles of the devil uh, satan is always on the television in his own little way uh, whether you're talking about commercials, whether you're talking about cartoons, whether you're talking about sitcoms, reality shows, even sports, Satan's hand is in it some way or another. And we like to watch television, you know, and we like to go out and buy the, the fancy 4K TVs, you know, and that's fine. But you have to understand the television programming is Satan's number one tool. This is how Satan can reach millions of people at once in a few minutes just by watching television. So you have to watch out for Satan on TV. I was just watching this commercial the other day. It was some kind of phone or, or one of the big phone company commercials where the new, the new phrase now is I'm dying when your phone is going dead. I think that's a terrible thing to say, to start saying I'm dying. No, just say I need a phone charger because my phone is my phone battery is getting low. Can I borrow your phone charger or whatever? But they all saying I'm dying and I don't think that's cool. So I just want to put that out there as a good example of what I'm talking about. You know, uh, there's power in words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The Bible teaches. So you don't want to go around saying that phrase just because your phone is about to die or just because your battery is low. You know, you don't want to say I'm dying. That's 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 not smart. Just a little example of what I'm talking about. Uh, but before I go any further, I always like to open up the show to offering an invitation to accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, I don't know how anyone can go through this life without the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. 
You know, Jesus is a difference maker. You know, about 2000 years ago, Jesus came to the earth through the door, through the Virgin Mary. And he came with a primary goal in mind, and that was to redeem man back to God. You know, so uh, while he was on this earth, he did all sorts of wonderful things. You know, he healed many sick folks, opened blinded eyes, opened deaf ears, healed lame people, paralyzed people, people who couldn't walk. He healed them in, in, in one spoken word in that very moment or, or one of the phrases the Bible uses in that self same hour. You know, can you imagine how wonderful that was for those people who had been blind, sick, paralyzed for many years. Woman with the issue of blood. You know, the Bible tells us that she spent all her money. And for 12 years, she was going to doctors and specialists and they couldn't help her. And just by touching the hem of Jesus's garment, her problem was resolved. She was healed on the spot. Jesus was awesome, awesome during that time. You know, I would have loved to have been around during that time. Uh, but his primary goal was to re was to redeem man back to God. And uh, over the course of that time, doing all these wonderful miracles, Jesus made, believe it or not, he made a lot of haters because he was so powerful and rich in the anointing and getting dynamic, impactful results with his anointing, uh, he drew a lot of followers. And a lot of followers probably left a lot of churches. And those pastors, those leaders did not like losing membership. Okay. So he made a lot of haters. And a lot of people wanted to see Jesus dead. So he made enemies and they begin lounging, look, look for an occasion to have him arrested. And they did just that, you know, they falsified, lied on him. And Jesus was arrested, arrested eventually. And when he was arrested, the Roman soldiers, which were the police, they spit on him. They slapped him, they punched him, they mocked him. Uh, they made a crown of thorns and placed it on Jesus's head to blood started running down his face. Then they eventually nailed him to a tree to a cross. They nailed his hands and feet. And then they pierced him in the side with a sword till water and blood started coming out of his side. And then Jesus eventually died on the cross. Now they did it for evil, but that was the biggest day for humanity because in that he died on the cross for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Ask him to come into your heart, into your life, into your mind, into your soul, and be your leader. It's just that simple, people. You believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, and you are saved. Amen. Glory to God. Hopefully you have made 
the choice to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you are following his commandments and his leadership and his direction. The way you go about doing that is to study in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for beginners. You know, in those books, he teach his ways. He teach his standards. He teach his order. And you begin to follow him as a disciple. Amen. So hopefully you have made the choice to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you have done that, you have made the greatest choice you will ever make in your life. Amen. Okay. Let's get into today's topic. Uh, today's topic title is Jesus or Santa Claus. Jesus or Santa Claus. Uh, we are in the month of December. And uh, you see a lot of uh, Christmas around the city, probably where you are on television or as you driving throughout the city, you see Christmas lights up and Christmas celebrations and billboards of Christmas on it. And you drive through the, through the malls and you see, you know, the, the Christmas wreaths and the decorations and everything It's Christmas time, you know, but one thing that I, I like to eliminate from my Christmas is Santa Claus is Santa Claus, Jesus or Santa Claus. You know, I believe that Santa Claus was invented just to take away from the true meaning of Christmas. And that's the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, as Christians, as believers, Christmas should mean the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what it should mean. But Satan does not like it when people celebrate Jesus. So he's always going to come up with a distraction. He's always going to come up with an alternative you know, a compromise or something of that sort so that we will come up short when it comes to worship and praise and celebration of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So this is where Santa Claus comes in, you know, and, you know, Santa Claus has over the years became the face in worldly culture, a lot of worldly culture for Christmas. I mean, it's really just that strong. And it's just that true. Santa Claus has become the face of Christmas for the most part, you know, and uh, whether you talking about commercials or cartoons or television shows, you know, the Christmas party, you're going to have the Santa Claus there, you know? So people don't want to really make it about Jesus anymore. They want to make it about Santa Claus. And that's a big mistake. I want to turn to my opening scripture right now. And that's a, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. And it reads, and it reads, for thou shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. The Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. I wonder if the Lord every year around Christmas time, you know, begins to get upset. Because not just the world, but even in our churches, even in our churches, we fail to recognize that the Lord is jealous. He has a jealous nature and he doesn't want to share his birthday 
of the time we celebrate his birthday. You know, some people make a big deal. We don't know when Jesus' birthday was for real, for real. So, you know, we shouldn't, uh, we really shouldn't make a big deal about Christmas. Well, that's not the point. The point about Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Jesus, whether it was in July or whether it was in December. We don't know. But we do know that he was born. He was born through the Virgin Mary. And that's what we are celebrating. And uh, and Jesus wants it to be about him. I'm pretty sure of it. Anytime it comes to praise and worship, the Lord does not want to share the platform with another. He just don't. You know, uh, I always uh, used to say where I knew a person whose birthday was on the 4th of July. And uh, they, you know, they always felt shortchanged because, you know, everybody was about celebrating the fourth barbecuing and popping fireworks, you know, and and then we ha- you ha- you have the birthday part of it, uh, but you know, everybody wanted to wrap up the birthday part of it and get out and outside and start popping fireworks, you know. So they they felt shortchanged that their birthday was on the fourth of July, but you know, you can imagine Jesus feeling shortchanged when everybody wants to make it about Santa Claus. You know, I want to, I want to talk about this, this song that we was taught as little kids, um, you know, about Santa Claus. It says, you better not pout. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not pout. You better not shout. I'm telling you why, because Santa Claus is coming to town. So they make Santa Claus as this omnipotent, omniscient being who knows good and evil. Tell me this was not intended, people, to take the place of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's terrible. It is that terrible. This song is celebrating Santa Claus as being everywhere at all times, knowing all, okay? And almost like a second coming. He's coming. Better get ready. He's coming. This is Satan, people. Satan. And it's interesting that I would say Satan. My nephew pointed out to me that Satan and Santa have the same letters. If you just move the N and the A around, you go from Santa to Satan. Ain't that something? <laughs> Just move the A and the N around. You go from Santa to Satan. I don't believe that's coincidence. You know, Santa Claus was intended people of God to take the glory, to take the focus, to take the praise from the true meaning of Christmas. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, I remember telling this uh this uh, lady years ago that I don't do Santa Claus Christmas time. You know, she said, you don't. I said, no, I don't do Santa Claus Christmas time. And then this other person came into the room and she said, Tim, don't do Christmas. I was like, wait a minute now. I didn't say I didn't do Christmas. I said, I don't do Santa. I don't do Santa Claus. And that goes to show you right there exactly what I'm talking about. She associated Santa Claus with Christmas. She was like Christmas and and Santa Claus are one and the same. So just that quick, she told somebody I didn't do Christmas when that's not what I said. I said, I don't do Santa Claus. So 
I had to explain to her, those are two different things. You know, Christmas to me is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it has nothing at all to do with Santa Claus. You know, now some people want to say, oh, that was just created for the kids. And it's all innocent. It's all good. I don't think so. I do not think so. You know, we always want to make something, you know, that is a compromise or that is uh, an option. Um, innocent and sweet, and it's it's not that big of a deal. But remember the opening scripture. It says God's name is jealous. His name is jealous. And he is a jealous God. Jesus wants his day to be about him. Jesus said, me and my father are one. So, If God is jealous, Jesus is jealous. He wants this time of the year to be about him. He wants it to be about thanksgiving to him. He wants it to be about praise and worship to him. The focus should be about him. You know, we can still have our Christmas tree. We can still have presents. We can still give gifts. Just keep it Christ. Keep it Jesus Christ. You know, let's just eliminate as Christians knowing that God, knowing that the Lord is jealous. Let's eliminate Santa from the picture. Let us not make it about Santa Claus. Let us keep it about Jesus Christ. Okay. You know, and, and, and it's really the same, you know, at Easter time too. You know, we want to make it about the Easter bunny and have Easter egg hunts for the kids and stuff. Can't we come up as Christians, can we come up with something that, keeps the focus on Jesus since Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christmas celebrates the birth. Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, so we can be creative and come up with activities for children that keeps it about the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Easter time, we can keep it about Jesus Christ and his birth at Christmas time. We got to do a better job because God's name is jealous for he is a jealous God. Come on, people of God. We know, we know, we got to know better. We got to do better. We can't keep allowing things uh, to be put off because we don't want to address it. We don't want to offend nobody. Um, Nobody else is saying it's a big deal. So I guess I shouldn't make a big deal about it. You know, I I believe that, you know, life is about details. You know, like the Bible says, a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. I believe that's in Psalms or Proverbs. I, I didn't look it up right now. I just I just thought about it off the top of my head. But life is about detail. You know, and it's about understanding that we can always improve and that we can always get a better understanding and we can always strive to do better as God is the priority of life, you know? So, so we can't take him light and we can't take him for granted. You know, it frustrates me when I watch television ministry and when I listen to television ministry and all these ministries want to talk about how God wants to bless you. And he just wants to uh, pour out his blessings on your life. And he just wants to do all these wonderful things for you. You know, but but having a personal relationship 
with God is a relationship. You know, God has a part and we have a part. And God don't want to bless us, you know, if we're living in sin, if we're not putting him first, if we are approaching him lazy, you know, he's not going to want to pour out his blessings on us if we are not showing him number one priority. No. And that is where a lot of ministries on television is not telling you. They're just telling you the good stuff that you want to hear. I don't know, maybe because they have found out when they talk about how much God wants to bless you, that they get a bigger offering, you know, but if you tell the whole picture, it's a relationship and the relationship means both sides have a role. You know, we have a role to get it right. We have a role to strive to get it right. We have a role to want to get it right. We have the obligation to, um, Study the word to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe that's 2 Timothy 2.15. And uh, we have an obligation too. So let us not approach our Christian walk in a lazy, uh, non-priority manner. God is a jealous God. Let us eliminate Santa Claus from the picture during this time of the year, during this Christmas time of the year. Amen. So this leads me to the topic of idolatry. Idolatry. You know, there's um, in the Bible, Baal was like the number one Old Testament, you know, figure that you would hear about in the Old Testament, you know, don't bow to Baal and don't sacrifice and all that, to, you know, and we think because we don't have a Baal today and we don't have graven images or statues and that people are known to go and bow down before that we don't have to deal with that today, but it's, it's not limited to just statues and, and stuff. We can make things idols today. Anytime you put anything before God, and his word is an idol, whether it's a person, whether it's a job, whether it's a hobby, um, whatever takes priority of, of your time, of your life over God and his word is an idol for the Christian, for the believer. Because when you accept Jesus, you have made him Lord. You have made him number one in your life and he is to remain number one. So everything ought to be about Jesus. When you, whatever it is you are planning, whatever it is you are determining to do, you need to check and make sure it's okay with the Lord. You need to see if it's okay according to his word. That's right. That's how you make him number one priority. So I want to warn you today about um, college, you know, television has made college an automatic good thing. You know, you watch movies, you watch these television shows, and, and they show these wholesome stories of, of sacrifice, of going to the library and studying and, and getting your books and so that you can make something of your life. Make something of your life. Keep that phrase in mind. Make something of your life. You know, and uh, so I want to warn you today about... Uh, the college degree, even in our churches, that's an automatic standing ovation nowadays. If, if, if it's announced someone graduated 
from college in the church. You know, not so fast, people. Not so fast. Is college is the sacrifice of college much more than the sacrifice that you have made for anything else. You know, some people go to college for four years and and they have to borrow so much money and they have to spend so many hours. That's a huge sacrifice. So anytime you are putting forth that much of a sacrifice, it is showing God that this is great importance to you, right? And then it might make him, what, jealous. If you are preparing and you're getting all your ducks in the row to go to college and you're doing all the sacrificing and you and you, you, you borrowing money and you're spending all these hours and you're setting your alarm clock and, you, and you're doing all this and then you, you, you don't really give him much time. And you got to remember, college is what? It's man-made. It's a man-made institution that you are putting forth all this time, effort, and energy into. So I want to challenge your approach when it comes to college, because we really need to talk about this. You know, this is one of those things that is flying below the radar. And, um, and our churches aren't doing a good job talking about it, because I believe a lot of people do make the college degree, an idol. That's right, an idol. You know, I, I believe if you genuinely want to be a doctor or if you genuinely want to be a lawyer and you go to college for that because that's what you have a passion to do, then that's great. That's great. Go to college and become a doctor, become a lawyer, become uh, an architect, become an engineer, if you have a passion for those things, okay? But the minute you go to college for security purposes, so something you can have to fall back on so that you can make something of yourself, well, now you're in dangerous ground because those reasons are supposed to be the reasons why you became a Christian, and that's what you seek the Lord for not this college degree for. Are you following me? Okay. So I want to warn you about this college perspective that you may or may not have. You know, um, it can be wrong motives that can put you uh, from sin and not sinning. You know, the Lord doesn't like it when we look at anything man-made as security, as a form of uh, security and strength. We're supposed to look to the Lord for that. You know, that's why we that's why we became Christians, so we can fall back on the Lord, so that we can look to the Lord for our strength and, and for our help and for our security and for our peace. If you're going to college so that you can have peace one day, you're going to college for the wrong reason. You know, I remember years ago, years ago, this brother, he used to always say, there's two things you need in this life. You need Jesus and a college degree. And when he would say that, it would just rub me the wrong way because I did not believe that the Lord liked him saying that, putting a college degree up there with him like that. You need Jesus and a college degree. Uh, not so fast, brother. 
Not so fast. How about in this life, you need Jesus and just period, period. Because remember, the Lord's name is jealous for the Lord is a jealous God. He don't like sharing the stage, the platform, the spotlight with nothing else. You know, so I disagree with that brother for saying that. Okay, so I just wanted to warn you about your motives for going to college. And that reminds me of this story. I, I went to a university one year and I dropped out. And uh, I dropped out just because I wasn't focused and I wasn't really going for no good reason. I was just, you know, I was just following the flock and following the advice of many people. Go to college, go to college. I went, you know, I was young. Um, 18 years old, just doing what everybody else was doing. But I remember in that one year, I come to know this young woman. And in that year, she had had two boyfriends, okay? At least two boyfriends that I know of. And she had gotten pregnant and she had an abortion. Okay? And, um, so life went on, you know, like I said, I, I didn't go back. Uh, I went and got me a job, dropped out of school and whatever. And several years passed and I went and visited this church one day and she was there. She was there. And the pastor announced that they were having, uh, they're going to honor a couple of students that had graduated from college today. And automatically the church started you know, celebrating, hey, glory to God, hallelujah, and clapping and celebrating. And I was like, oh, okay. And then come to find out, she was one of the students that they were going to celebrate. Now, for all I knew, she could have repented. She could have got her life right. But it made me think, the, does the church automatically celebrate a college degree as if it's always a good thing? And it seems like the church does. And the church need to put temperance and balance on this thing. Once again, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. It's not automatically a good thing to go to college if you're going for the wrong reasons. If you're going for peace and security, you're going for the wrong reasons. Jesus is supposed to be your peace and security. Now, like I said, this woman that I knew had at least two boyfriends. So the Bible says for it's good to marry than to burn. So she put off marriage, obviously, in order to further her education. So that means she was putting her education over the word of God. OK, so that's one problem. Uh, and then she had an abortion. How righteous do you think it is before the Lord to abort a child in order to get your education? Some people might think it's a, a reasonable, a reasonable move, but I don't think so. I don't believe the Lord thinks so. And so if this young woman continued on this way, in this fashion, in order to get her degree, I believe the church had made a big mistake celebrating that moment that she graduated. And I believe the church is sending the wrong message to many others who may have known her and see the church carrying on like that. She had made an edu the education or the college degree an idol because she had put it before the word of the Lord. And um, so that's how you can do 
uh, a college degree. You can put it before the Lord just like that. So you got to you got to be wise. You have to understand what they say at the Lord concerning uh, major sacrifices like going to college. You have to be going for the right reason. And you cannot put it before the word of the Lord. You know, if you struggle sexually, then you need to get married, according to the Bible. You need, and, and, and if you get pregnant and have kids, you need to keep those kids because I don't believe abortion is the will of the Lord. OK, it's murder, in my opinion. So we need to make sure that this college thing don't take on a life of its own and go down the path of idolatry, which it can easily do. And the church need to do a, do a much better job of addressing this. That's right. So I just wanted to warn you about college and the college degree. Okay. There is another thing I wanted to talk about, and I've talked about it before, but since we are talking about idolatry, you know, I want to talk about it again. And that's, uh, you know, uh, on television, we see this sweet, what seems to be innocent gesture done by men when they have a girlfriend, you know, they get down on one knee and pop out a ring and propose. Right. And most people, when that happens, a lot of people say, Oh, ain't that sweet. Oh, but I believe that's a problem. I believe that's a problem. I don't believe it's God's will for a man to bow down before a woman. I don't believe that's why he created a woman, you know, to bow down before something intentionally is a form of worship. It is a form of worship. And I don't believe that is innocent. That is something innocent and is something um, non-offensive to the Lord. When a man bows down intentionally before a woman and proposes. Now, it'd be different if a man and his wife was walking down the street and she's eight months pregnant and and her shoe is untied and he gets down on his knees and tie her shoe for her. That's that's innocent. That's innocent. You know, that's not worship. He don't want his wife trip and fall, you know, so he gets down on his knees and tie up her shoe. That's purpose. That's innocent. That's not the same thing. But as a standard, as a standard, when a man gets down on one knee before a woman, that's a form of worship and proposes. And that is nothing short of wrong, in my opinion. It's not the will of God for a man to do that. Let's look at some scriptures here. Um, let's look at some scriptures here. Let's start off at Psalms 95. And let's look at... <clears throat> Let's look at verse six. Uh, I believe this is David speaking here. You know, um, it could be someone else, but uh, for the most part, you know, David is said to be the the, the majority. The majority of the writings of the Book of Psalms is is generally David. So we're going to assume this is David here, and um, it says, "Oh come." Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, our maker. 
Okay. So right here, the understanding is that you're not supposed to bow down before what's made. You're supposed to bow down, you're supposed to bow down before the maker. You're not supposed to bow down before the creation. You're supposed to bow down before the creator. Okay. But, you know, we see on TV all the time. Now, now keep in mind, television is Satan's tool, his number one tool to sell us a bad standard, to sell us bad information, to deliver bad information. Television is Satan's number one tool. You know, so when we see everybody uh, on and celebrating when a man gets down on one knee before a woman and it seems all innocent and wonderful and kind and lovely, you know, how many of us fall for it? How many of us think it's okay when it can be offending God? Because we're supposed to be bowing down before God, not creation, not a statue, not an image, not a person, but before God. Okay, let's look at another verse of scripture. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Okay. Chapter five. Let's look at verses eight and nine. It says, thou should not make thee any graven image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath uh, the earth. You know, um, when I read that scripture, I think about the Hindu faith. Is it where is it the Hindu faith or the Buddhist faith where they have that elephant statue? Um, it's like a it's like a hybrid animal, and most of it is an elephant. And you see people, you know, bowing down before it and stuff. God hates that, you know. This so this is not just an Old Testament thing. You still see people doing this sort of thing today. Now, Deuteronomy 5 and 9, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. There's that jealousy thing again. You know, we think it's a bad characteristic to be jealous, but God said that is his name. He is jealous. You know, New Testament, it says God is love. And in this verse, it says God is jealous. So God is these two things. He's love and he's jealous. Okay. So he says, visit the iniquity of the father upon the children to the third and fourth generation. In other words, uh, 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 third and fourth generation that hate me. In other words, when you start worshiping stuff, you are not supposed to be worshiping. He says, it's not only going to affect you. Okay. But it's going to affect you and your children and their children as well. And this is Old Testament scripture. Now, Jesus may have brought, broken this curse when he died on the cross, but nonetheless, you get the picture. It's not cool to worship, to bow down before things that you shouldn't bow down before. Okay, people, statues, images, keep it safe. Bow down only in prayer before the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at another passage of scripture. <clears throat> How about Romans? We in the New Testament again. Romans chapter 14, verse 11. 
So Romans was written, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, I believe. And it says, for it is written, uh, he's quoting, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Okay. Not to a woman in proposal, not to a statue, not to an image. Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So you get the picture. To bow down is a form of worship. Okay? And you and you should not practice bow, bowing down before something or someone that's not God. Okay? Let's keep it all about God. Bow down only before God. You know, I, 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 this one person I was talking to about this, they said, well, what about when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? You know, didn't he have to kneel before them and wash their feet? You know, and when I looked at the passage of Scripture, it never said once that Jesus bowed down before them. It never said, it just said he, he girded himself for the towel and he washed his disciples' feet. So what I am thinking at this point, what is taking place here is you have these disciples and Jesus is getting this bucket of water, you know, and he, uh, him and a disciple, let's say Peter, they are sitting in a chair facing each other. And uh, Peter puts his feet in this bucket and then Jesus, and then he sticks his feet up in Jesus's lap. And then Jesus is able to wash his feet with a rag or something in the, on that nature. But the Bible never says Jesus got down on his knee before Peter and, and, and bowed down and washed his feet. It don't, it don't say that. Now, a lot of the pictures that we might see in an art gallery might show Jesus on his knees before the disciples washing their feet. But that's, that's, that's somebody's imagination at work. That's not what the Bible said. It just said he girded himself, uh, I believe, with a towel, and he washed the disciples' feet. So we don't know how he went about it. So you can assume that Jesus bowed before it, but I don't think not. I don't believe Jesus bowed before the disciples. You know, Jesus is only going to bow before God and God alone. Okay. So I wanted to put that out there because we, we are talking about things that make God jealous, which leads to idolatry. The topic today is Jesus or Santa Claus since it, since it is the Christmas season. So I just want to warn you to think about the things you do. You know, a lot of times it just takes thought, you know, because a lot of times tradition and culture can establish things in your life since you were a child. So you don't think nothing of it. You don't think nothing of it. Is it something people do? You take it for granted. It's no big deal, but it very well could be. You know, and God and God wants us to understand this. He wants to he wants us to put him first. He wants us to be at the forefront of his mind all the time. Okay, Uh, and that leads me, you know, to another topic that uh, I don't really hear ministries talking about hardly at all. And that's insurance, insurance. Let's talk about the balance of insurance from the Christian perspective. Okay. Uh, now th- let me let me say this. Let me say this. I do believe that insurance is 
a measurement of your faith. How you approach insurance is a measurement of your faith because we have all kinds of insurance out there today. You know, we have insurance for your insurance today. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, so we need to talk about this because how you how you approach insurance, you know, can make God jealous. It can make God frustrated with you concerning your faith in him. It sure can. Now. Off the start, I believe life insurance is not such a bad thing. Okay, I believe if a person chooses to have it, once again, if it's about the heart, the perspective of the heart, if you want to leave something behind when you're gone for your children, you know, for your family, not because you are insecure, but because you just want to leave them maybe a going away chunk of change, you know, that's cool. You know, that's the, I believe that's the right perspective. You know, that's cool. And, you know, life insurance ain't half bad. Okay. But then you have auto insurance, you have health insurance, and then you have insurance for your insurance, you know? Um, So you have all of these, uh, home warranties, all of this stuff out here, and you know, and I and I've known people that they they will spend, you know, a lot of their income on insurance. You know, they have the best auto insurance, and then they have gap insurance for the auto insurance, and then they have uh, they have the the smallest deductible possible. And then uh, then you jump over to the medical insurance, health insurance. Then they want to get the most the best health care coverage possible and and all of that. And what is that saying to the Lord? You know, do you not trust in the Lord and his promises? OK, now, now let's go to auto insurance. Now, according to the law, you have to have auto insurance. OK. You have to have a minimum coverage of auto insurance. And the Bible does tell us to obey obey the laws of the land. So since you have to have it, and if you don't have it, you can get in a bunch of trouble. You can lose your license. So if you want to drive, you got to have the minimum coverage. So you get the minimum coverage to obey the laws of the land. And that's that. But some people don't stop there, right? Some people say no. I want to get the best in coverage and I want to get gap insurance and I want to get the smallest deductible package, you know, because what they're doing is that they are trusting in that insurance in the event that something happens in in, in their automobile situation and they want to be covered. Right. What does that say about your faith? Okay. Okay. Let's jump over to medical insurance. Same thing. You know, uh, you have uh, these jobs where they offer insurance to the jobs and then you get to pick a policy in the plan. And people, some people, they want even Christians, they want the best package possible out there just in case they get sick or they lose their job. And uh, that's another one. You know, they got insurance just in case you lose your job, cover your bills. 
you know? So there's all kinds of assurances out there and people have them all. Christians have them all. And guess what? Because they have all these insurances, they take peace and security in that insurance. And that's wrong. That's an idol. It's an idol. You know, it, it, it is an indictment to your faith and it's an idol. Homeowners insurance. Now, some people have to have it if they are buying a house, but some people's houses are paid off and they still have homeowners insurance just in case something happens. Let's read if you, uh, uh, um, some verse of scriptures here. Promises that Jesus made to the believer. You know, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture that I learned many years ago as a young teenager. And I kept this scripture and I stood on the scripture. And uh, and 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 I'm happy to say that uh, this this passage of scripture hasn't failed me, you know, and, and to this day. It's Matthew chapter six, starting at the 25th verse down to the 34th verse. So Matthew chapter six, 24, no, 25 through 34. And it reads, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor your body, what ye shall put on. It is not life, is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? You know, can you make yourself taller by taking thought for it? Verse 28. Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Okay. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, and shall be, be not much more clothed, O ye of little faith. Verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things doeth the Gentiles seek. Now Jesus calls, calls uh, unbelieving people, people who seek after their needs being met. You know, he said that as if the believers shouldn't worry about their needs being met. Okay. He says, for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So what Jesus is saying here, he says, is not life more than what you're going to eat and what you're going to put on. And where you're going to be clothed. What his point is, is that if you if you put your priorities in order, if you put him first, if you seek him first, 
He says all these things, your living conditions, your clothes, your food, all these things are going to be taken care of. It's a promise. It's a promise. All this is going to be taken care of. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Verse 34, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient until the day is the evil thereof. There's enough evil in this day for you to just focus on the day that you're in instead of trying to ensure yourself about the future is what he is saying. Glory be to God. Love that passage of scripture. And I have taken peace and security in this passage of scripture. And I remember for years, people would ask me, uh, which insurance do you have? I don't have, I don't have no medical insurance. Never. Well, what you going to do? I'm going to trust in the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. Trust in the Lord. That's why I tell people, trust in the Lord. Man, you know, I don't have the most expensive auto insurance. I get the bare minimum because it's required. And if something happens and I, and, and, and I get set back, then the Lord is going to have to fix it. I'm not going to take peace in state farm. I'm not going to take peace in all state, in progressive, in Geico. I don't take peace in them. I take peace in the Lord. He promised it. So guess what? I'm going to live by it. You know, another passage of scripture right quick. We're getting close to having to wrap it up. This is a short, but a powerful, powerful scripture. Philippians 4, 19. Apostle Paul again, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You have these promises made to you as believers, as Christians. So, so why spend all of this money on insurance? If God is promising you, I got you. If the Lord is saying, I got you. You know, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Well, actions speak louder than words. I mean, here you got health insurance and you got the most expensive package and then you got a secondary coverage package and then you got you got uh the top automobile insurance and then you got gap insurance and then you got this insurance that's in case you lose your job to help pay your bills for a year if you lose your job. All right. I mean, you got all of this insurance, but you're saying you trust in the Lord and you believe in his word. You, you're standing on his promises. Uh, maybe not so much. So you don't want to make an idol. You want, you don't want to have peace. You don't want to have security in man-made stuff, in man-made insurance, in man-made college degrees, okay? You don't want to be bound down your knee before a woman in proposal. You don't want to do all these things that can make God jealous, that can make God angry, and that can make God uh, put you on the back burner because you put him on the back burner, okay? So... That's what this topic is about today. It started out Jesus or Santa Claus, but the big picture is idolatry and jealousy. Once again, God's name is jealous for God is a jealous God. Okay, I hope today's broadcast, you found it informative. 
insightful. Uh, hopefully you have increased your faith because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hopefully uh, you've gotten the breakthrough today, listening to today's teaching. You can also find out more about this ministry on Thief in the Night Ministries.com. That's Thief in the Night Ministries.com. Uh, that's the website where you can uh, find out more and you can click click on the contact us page, send a question, a comment. And um, whether it's uh, a comment that's favorable or unfavorable, it don't matter. I would like to hear from you because it's not always about somebody patting you on the back. It's sometimes it's about rebuke and reproof. And uh, so if you feel like I am in error or something, I said, I'd like to hear from you so I can so I can have the opportunity to repent. OK, I know by far I'm not above getting stuff wrong. And so I might need to repent about something and get something right. So I'd like to hear from you. Stephen tonight ministries dot com. Um, you can tune in every Saturday on this radio station uh, at 5 p.m. Um, that's um, rcrnetwork.com. That's rcrnetwork.com. Every Saturday, 5 p.m. Central Time. So once again, tell your family and friends about the show, uh, how this brother, Tim Aaron, is... Uh, Keeps it 100% Bible. That's my goal. Keep it 100% Bible. I try to eliminate culture out of my Bible study teaching. Uh, Jesus says your tr tradition have made the word of God of no effect. You know, people don't understand that. People don't understand just because everybody's doing things a certain way don't mean it's right. And so we have to evaluate every area, every area of life, every aspect of life, evaluate it. And try it against the word of God. Make sure it's okay. And it's not that hard, you know, for the commandments of the Lord are ungrievous. They aren't too hard to accomplish. You know, it's just the tricks of the devil. And it's just the devil, uh, the things that he has established over the years that have pulled us away from the Lord. And it might be hard getting back on track, but it's doable. It could be done. And I believe it. So once again, every Saturday, 5 p.m. Central Time on RCR. Uh, network.com Thank you for tuning, tuning in people and I wish you uh, a, a, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year uh, not season, season's greetings not Happy Holidays but a very Merry Christmas a Happy Christmas in Jesus name and a Happy New Year uh, above all things my brothers and sisters in the Lord I wish that you prosper be in good health, even as your soul God bless. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the show. We hope that you were blessed by the message from the Word of God. Come back next time for more of Get Your House in Order. I said one dark morning, when this life is over, I'm going to fly away. I'm leaving this cold world, going up yonder to that holy place. I'm going to sit down talk with Peter. Sit down, talk with Paul And I'ma say, take me to Jesus The one who really paid it all for me This world, this world is my home world, my home. Said this
get your house in order is copyright by Thief in the Night Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.